Unity Radio Network, a station dedicated to the concept that all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. Join Reverend Terry Power HP, Robin McKean, and all the hosts for programming covering a wide range of spiritual topics right here on Blog Talk Radio. Nationals uh, Region 7. Without further ado, I bring you Bob Vossler. Greetings and welcome, Bob. How are you? I love being back here, and I'm ready for another fun-filled hour with you and talking about, I don't even know what we'll be talking about tonight, but I know we'll have a great time and we'll be as entertaining as possible. (laughs) Uh, Incredibly awesome. I I guess I'll start... uh, by asking you what is new and exciting uh, uh, for the USS Challenger and for uh, Region 7? Oh, well, we just had our Intergalactic Food Festival uh, two weeks ago, and and that was fun and calorie-laden and delicious, and we had some guests from uh, at least one other chapter. Um, Attendance was a little less than usual because it was a weekend and we didn't know this at the time that was filled with other activities that were going on uh convention in ocean city and uh you know several events that were in north jersey and new york uh so a few people were absent but we we had a blast nonetheless and um and we had a good time you know so we did that and uh yeah we did we uh you know, it was a busy weekend for a, for a lot of Starfleet uh, people because if you couldn't come to one thing, you went to another. I know our, our friends from the USS Storm in the Atlantic City area, they, they hit the Ocean City convention that featured LeVar Burton. Uh, our uh, friends from the USS Abraham Lincoln uh, took point on an event over in their neck of the woods in uh uh, New York, where they um, went to a, an astronomy convention where they had a table and, and set up shop there. And 
the USS Justice helped them out with that. Plus, there was Collector Fest. There was an action figure show uh, wow. that, believe it or not, I didn't I didn't actually go to uh, in a in a you know in a big shock um, the day before our event. But uh, you know, because I was just busy with other things. But you know, we've been keeping busy, and uh, you know, we're looking forward to some activities in the future. And uh, you know, we're uh, we're just having a good time. That that is fantastic, and uh, I'm looking forward to the day when we too are interacting with the various uh, ships of the fleet and uh, uh, getting out and about and and doing really cool things. Um, here on our end, uh, we've been, uh, you know, basically just structuring everything. So, uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to be pretty much be myself doing what I do. Um, that's what I'm best at. So that's what I'm going to do. And, uh, um, I'm on my quest, of course, to find different threads, uh, from Greek mythology and other mythical systems, uh, in different forms of, uh, science fiction and cosmic spirituality, uh, so that's uh, the mission of the ship, although people can have their own uh, agendas. So uh, um, I've been talking to everybody that uh, we've signed up, and uh, right now they're getting their backstories. You know, who are they? Why are they uh, journeying with us? Uh, and uh, we chose the Humorns for Adonis is like the first tale we'll be exploring. Mm-hmm. And then I have a very long list of uh, Star Trek tales to deal with uh, mythical divinities, uh, uh, so we'll be exploring them one by one to uh, to uh, grasp the greater meaning. Uh, after we do uh, the homework um, for Adonis, uh, we're going to do Plato's stepchildren. So that's the next one with uh, okay. and uh, Alexander. And so anyway, so we're, that's going to take many years to explore all these uh, Star Trek stories. And in the interim, we're going to uh, visit other um, science fiction universes, uh, starting with uh, the uh, um, Stargate series and also starting with the Marvel Universe. So that'll oh, keep us busy cool. until like the middle of 2020. Uh, so we're all set there. In addition to Starfleet International, we're interacting with another Starfleet group that seems to have uh, not been not be as active or as extant as uh, Starfleet International, but there are members still out there in Florida and other places. So uh, that'll be like our our first parallel universe that we're dealing with uh, within Starfleet. Uh, So even though we're officially in your universe, we're also dealing with other timelines and other parallel uh, universes. That's our first one. So just getting everybody on the same page, and uh, right now there's going to be a lot of writing back and forth uh, till we have a really good starting uh, story. Sounds very Sounds creative, very and, creative uh, and uh, I'm, I'm sure I'm that, sure that uh, it's going to be very interesting. I'm sure it'll be very interesting, too. Um, I'm very excited just to be talking to everybody and making plans and, and so forth. And uh, we have folks who've uh, published books and, you know, done all sorts of really cool stuff. We have uh, Tina, who's a roller derby queen. So <laughs> it should be really, really interesting uh, once all this starts coming together. Now, uh, Bob, uh, we're having several uh, Starfleet adventure shows now. And uh, you're welcome to come on as many as you'd like. So oh, that's great. When we're having the shows, and 
uh, and you can come alone or you can bring a guest or we could schedule like a regular guest or, you know, whatever you'd like to do um, and uh, just kind of evolve uh, things along. So I included you on the, the list and uh, I will send you an email and then we start exploring those uh, possibilities. I'd appreciate I'd that. Appreciate that. that. And, uh, I know any number of topics, you know, if I, if I think that there's somebody that, you know, and I know there's people, other members of fleet that, that are specialized in, in other areas of Star Trek more so than I, then, you know, I'll certainly uh, aim them your, in your direction. And I, I've been reaching out to some people that uh, who might want to, you know, be guests already. So, uh, you know, I, 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 I know you'll get a healthy supply of members who will, you know, offer their knowledge and personality to it. I'm greatly looking forward uh, to that. Um, I've tried reaching out to some of the the Klingons uh, from Days of Yore, uh, but they haven't really been uh, responsive, so I'm going to let that go. Uh, And if they want later on, they know they're welcome to play. Now, you had uh, said that uh, um, you're starting a lot of new uh, initiatives that are going to be like charitable. Has any uh, any new developments along that line? Well, we were planning to do a beach sweep cleanup, and in fact, we even were scheduled to do that um, last month. Unfortunately, the weather uh, intervened and it it wa- washed out. And uh, the date that was it was rescheduled. Unfortunately, we had already made plans for another activity. So we will be, you know, somehow rescheduling that or some other community service project because we want to, you know, we want to get back into doing more of that. So we thought that uh, helping the environment was something that we had done before and we wanted to continue to do, you know, possibly in a different way uh, because previously for many years, um, almost 20 years we of our 30-year history, we had um, adopted a dune right up here in Wortley Beach. But unfortunately, after Superstore Sandy, not only did we lose the, the, the dune we adopted, we also lost the sign that the township gave mm-hmm. us, uh, you know, designating our, our particular dune where we planted dune grass and cleaned up and stuff like that. So... You know, this was going to be not in Ortley Beach, but a little further um, south in Island Beach State Park. Um, and they do this. You know, we weren't going to be the only organization doing it, but, you know, numerous organizations and individuals were set to do it. But it was uh, it was a rainy Saturday, and it got washed out. So, uh. Uh, so we... We we still ended up having fun because our plan was that after we, you know, did that, we were going to head out and see uh, Marvel's Captain Marvel. Uh, How'd you so since we were since they since they uh, po- postponed that event, uh, we had more time, you know, to pick from to see uh, Captain Marvel, and we did, and we loved it. And uh, I loved it, you know, and I. I went and saw DC's Captain Marvel, also better known now as Shazam, uh, earlier this month. 
and um and I know you know you might uh enjoy that uh, when you when you see it because of course you know the wizard Shazam's powers are made up of of god and immortals you know including Hercules um yes, yes. the power you know of, of various gods and uh it was a good take on on it uh you know some some changes were made in the continuity but it was very very entertaining um and uh you know it had a, a you know a slightly different feel to it than than say Marvel's Captain Marvel but it was entertaining in a different way and it was a lot of fun it was a good movie it, it, the commercials look great uh i haven't uh, been able to see it yet i don't know if i'll get to see it in the theater but that's one of the ones that it's, as soon as it comes out in DVD, if I haven't seen it in the theater, I'm going to scarf it up and uh, and watch it. Uh, people said very good things about it. So many good things are coming up, too. I mean, we, of course, everybody's chopping at the bit, waiting for um, Endgame, the next installment of the uh, of Marvel's The Avengers, uh, mm-hmm. which will conclude the... Uh, you know, we'll pick up from the last movie and, um, you know, we have a Spider-Man movie coming out in, in July. Um, yes. Yes. So, uh, you know, uh, and of course a little movie called, you know, Star Wars, you know, uh, the conclusion to that trilogy. So, uh, you know, that's, that's coming up too, uh, in May. So, uh, you know, it's 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 a really good time for for fandom. Now, why are they calling uh, the Star Wars movie "The Rise of Skywalker" if it's going to be the conclusion <laughs> to nine films, uh, uh, three trilogies? Uh, yeah, you know, like I I was wondering that too because um, not following Star Wars as as closely, you know, like. When it comes to Star Wars, although I enjoy it, I don't always look for all the little tidbits of advanced information on that. I just go to the theater and, you know, I'm surprised like a lot of people. Um, I didn't know what it was being called. And, you know, it, it, I saw the, the trailer or actually I didn't see even a trailer. I saw the, you know, something on social media about it. So it's like, oh, all right, that's interesting, uh, considering, you know, we knew the fate of Luke Skywalker in the last movie. But, uh, you know, I have a feeling that they're planning on surprising us in a lot of different ways. So um, I'm I'm up for whatever they do. Uh, I actually <laughs> liked the last movie. I know some people thought that I maybe it was too. a little long. And uh, I didn't mind it being a long movie, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and Endgame is going to be almost three hours, you yes. know, for Avengers. So you get, we're going to get our money's worth, you know, considering how much we pay at the movie theater these days, you know. So yeah, I, I didn't dislike the past uh, Star Wars movie uh, either, and uh, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how they're going to close uh, the three uh, trilogies. Uh, the Emperor's laugh has me intrigued. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be, um, I, I think that they have had a plan all along, and, uh, you know, there's been a lot of different theories, and, and we'll, we'll finally get to see, you know, if if some of our theories were, were correct, um, you know, and of course, you know, fate 
threw a, a curveball in uh, whatever, whatever they were planning because I don't think, you know, Carrie Fisher's untimely passing, um, you know, wasn't something that, uh, you know, they anticip- obviously anticipated and they right. You know, they're going to use some footage that wasn't used that was shot during the last film um, and use that, I heard, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously they're going to have to do something um, because, you know, ironically, the two two core character, you know, two out of the three core characters from the original Star Wars, you know, are uh, have been written out. You know, they've been killed right. off, even though the actors are alive. And the one that that was kept, unfortunately, she passed in real life. So, you know, uh, it really is set up now for the the next generation to take over. You know, that that's very true. Um, and Star Wars, I, I, I'm trying to keep track of that and also Star Trek, you know, the, the developments. Um, I haven't seen the first or second uh, season of Star Trek Discovery, but what I'm seeing about the second season gives me a lot of uh, hope. You know, they're touching upon some really uh, uh, cool things, including the Borg. Uh, and uh, so I'm pretty excited with where they're uh, taking that. And uh, there have been uh, intimations that with the Borg, they're going to uh, basically get rid of some of the discrepancies in the different timelines or, or better tie them together. So that should be very interesting. Yeah, I, I have not uh, caught up with, uh, and I hate to admit this, but I have not caught up with all of Discovery. And that the reason for that is that while this weekend in particular, I wasn't doing a whole lot and uh, could have binge watched almost the entire weekend and caught up. But, but Discovery is a show that I watch with my wife, you know, who's equally a Star Trek fan. And um, it's almost like we have to see it at a special time, you know, because um, it's a show that you got to pay full attention to. It's not just, you, you know, you can't just turn it on and, you know, while you're laying in bed or something, because, you know, you want to, you know, want to have full attention to it. So, um you know, I tend to wait for her, and uh, and and a lot of times she's watching the rerun <laughs> of, yeah. of or, you know, next gen original track or Deep Space Nine. So, um, but I know we're going to get to it soon. We we've watched you know about four or five episodes of the uh, of Discovery, so we know kind of where it's headed, but of this season, and um, you know, it, 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 for those that don't have CBS All Access. Um, just a, another shameless plug for our library system uh, uh-huh. out there. And, you know, uh, your local library, uh, no matter where you live, probably, probably has the first season that you can. Right. I think it's all condensed into one disc, actually. Um, really? I could be wrong. Wow. But, but it, it, you know, it, since it was only, what was the first season? About 13, 14 episodes? Yes. Um, you know, it might have might have been able to be put on one disc. Um, again, I'm not 100% sure on that, uh, but I know that that my own library system has it, and those that don't have CBS All Access are catching up at least with season one. Um, you know, just as I used to watch uh, Game of Thrones. Um, actually, I still watch Game of Thrones that way because I don't have HBO. 
so I was always like a, a year behind or eight, at least eight months behind uh, in, in watching Game of Thrones. But that was okay because, you know. There's so much to watch. Yeah. Yeah, I, I recently got into a show, and I'm really, uh, really got sucked into it. Um, while I was watching CBS All Access's new Twilight Zone, which I thought, uh, which I, I think I is really well done. Um, I knew I'd get sucked into that. But um, as I was uh, exiting CBS All Access, uh, a show came up, and I thought, well, maybe this is another episode of Twilight Zone. But I thought that at that time there was only two episodes that had had aired, so I didn't know what this show was. But it was intriguing enough that I kept on watching it. And it turns out that it's a show called um, Strange Angel. And mm. it is really all over the map, but it is very, very compelling. And um, it's, what it's about is uh, it's set in the 1930s, uh, World War II. Actually, it's set in the late 1930s, what am I saying? Because um, it's just before, you know, well, World War II, but before... America enters World War II. It's before Pearl Harbor. But uh, this young man um, is working with his buddy. He, he works in a, as a janitor, but he's a young guy, and he, his buddy is, in, uh, is a college professor and research scientist who heads a team that wants to develop a rocket. So uh, this guy's intelligent, too, but he... He had to forego going to college because he was, uh, you know, during the Depression, he was helping his parents and, and working instead. So uh, anyway, um, it, it's, he's, this guy's married, and uh, it focuses on them trying to develop a rocket, but it's, it's also fantasy-oriented because this guy loves fantasy magazines, and he kind of is – has these dream spells, um, and then there's this neighbor who uh, is a member of of some kind of bizarre church of love. Um, mm. So there's a little bit of sex involved in this, and and you know all all kinds of different things. And 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 the the guy and his wife. He's got this this very pretty wife, and. Uh, her father has the mortgage on their house and all kinds of different things. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it's really all over the place and you just don't know where it's going. It's, it's more than just their quest to develop a rocket. Um, you know, you have, it, it's got uh, like a soap opera. It's got, uh, you know, at one point this guy is talking to his long dead father and they're on the moon, you know, like, you don't know if he's hallucinating. You don't know if he's having, you know, and it's the, one of the last episodes that I, I saw involved, uh, you know, the, the War of the Worlds, which I believe was 1938. Was that 1938 okay. when that came in? Around, yes. Around. I believe so. So, you know, uh, so he, they, he and his buddy were listening to it, but his buddy, the, the college professor who's more straight laced than he is like he's the daredevil he's the one that will will go out on a limb to you know get the research done and, and all this kind of stuff 
But his buddy who works for the college, of course, is a little bit more conservative and a little bit more cautious. So anyway, they know that this radio broadcast isn't real, you know. But okay. later on, as developments are happening, he's like seeing the, the, the flying saucer. and Well, he, he gets invited and yet gets kicked out of a white uh, tie affair by, by the university um, because they're trying to get um, uh, they're trying to get funding and, and all this, and um, they're they're a little ticked at him because he had been a uh, he had loaned out his expertise of demolition. He's also a demolition expert. Um, to the police and as a as a uh, as a consultant, and uh, then of course named you know the uh, the project that he and his buddies were working on. Um, so you know so as as to sort of embarrass them to keep on funding the project, and they didn't like that. So since he wasn't really part of the college, you know, uh, you, part part of the university rather. Um, they sort of, you know, asked him to leave. And uh, so when he leaves, you know, because he doesn't want to embarrass his buddies, um, he kind of looks back and he sees the flying saucer, you know, blasting the whole place. And, of course, it's all like, you know, it's either his fantasy or it's his delusion or something like that. So you don't quite know what's going on. And he's also getting hooked into this whole um, religious church thing where, you know, basically it's the church of love where they're having, you know, women there and priests and talking about, you know, that love is everything. Of course, love is, but, but it's, it's more like sex is everything. So he's getting drawn into that too. Um, he, he and his wife go to visit this, this church uh, but of course, she once once the 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 robe comes off and this woman's topless, his his wife walks out, of course, because she thinks this she's a very devout Catholic. So all kinds of interesting stuff is, is happening. And if you if you ever, you, I don't know if you have CBS All Access, but you might want to at least try it. No, you know, I, just don't, to see I don't have that. Uh, well, may, may, they might the library might offer that too, eventually. You know. But uh, it, it's it's oddly compelling. It's a very bizarre show, but I find it very intriguing. So, no, it sounds fascinating. Uh, I I haven't uh, I wasn't even aware of that. There's so many shows on that uh, I found myself unable to keep track of them all. Uh, we yeah. watched the uh, West World uh, season one and season two recently. And uh, we enjoyed that a great deal, so much so that I tracked down the old Westworld and Future World movies uh, so that we can watch them as well. Yes, I recently yes, I... caught up with that as well, too. I got the second season at the library, um, and, uh, you know, I was watching that, and that, that's, been, that's been very interesting. Uh, I never did go back to watch... The, the disc I have of Lost in Space, the the remake of Lost in Space, Emily and I watched. We watched one episode of that and said, "Yeah, it didn't grab us, but we'll we we now own it, so we'll definitely watch you know more." And then we never did. Um, you know, I know that was last year. 
So I know I know the second season is coming up on it. So um, yeah, the third but, season is coming up. There there were two seasons already. Of Lost in Space. Uh, oh, not a, oh, I haven't. I, mean, I didn't even know that was a series. I'm sorry. I, I I thought you meant the movie. I saw the remake movie. I didn't know it was a series. Yeah. The, it, so this is like the third time it's been remade. You know, is well, wow. the third third version of it rather. Um, and uh, I was watching Lost in Space on Saturday night. You know, it's on on you know after Svengoolie, You know, and um, okay. It, it, they were they they had shown the first episode of of the third season, the third and final season, which I thought was a much better uh, season for for Lost in Space. It was I thought it was a little less campy up until, of course, the point where. Um, where uh, the Carrot Man shows up, played by uh, Stanley Adams, our favorite uh, triple-selling, uh, you know, <laughs> merchant. He, he's the same guy who plays the Carrot Man. But uh, you know, they had they had changed the the their attire. They had had a I, I thought a, a better opening. Um, you know, it wasn't the cartoon. Um, versions of them, you know, uh, climbing on the wire, you know, from the spaceship. It was, you know, I, I thought it had a much more serious tone um, to it, um, you know, to some degree. Um, but uh, um, but but at that point, you know, sci-fi shows couldn't make it past three seasons, as, as we know with Star Trek. You're right. 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 <laughs> Not for quite a while. Um, I'm fascinated by the uh, Picard uh, tale, but the more details they release, uh, um, the less uh, I'm in a rush to see it as it airs. Um, yeah. So- um, I, I know he's going to be on a quest with uh, with some other, um, maybe even non-Starfleet uh Personnel to and it's going to involve the Romulans. That's pretty right. much what I know. You might might have seen something that I haven't, but at this point, that's that's what I what I know. Uh, and I'm sure along the way we'll we'll see or hear about you know some uh, some of the other uh, his former crewmates. You know what they're doing these days. Um, you know, I'm I'm hoping a few of them make actual appearances, but you know, only time will tell. Yeah, it, it's uh, again. I I love Picard as a character. He was so very much part of my own uh, Star Trek experience uh, years ago. Um, but it seems like they're uh, taking him out of. Uh oh, I lost you. Are you there? Uh oh. I can't hear you. I don't know if you can hear me. Uh oh.
So because I know Romulus plays into um, this storyline in some way. We, 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 we do know that, and we know that we don't know if he's left Starfleet or what, or what, for whatever reason he's on some kind of special mission, whether it's an official mission or a personal mission, uh, and it seems to involve non-fleet members or at least new people that he will be leading. So he'll probably right. he'll be on a ship, but not, not necessarily the Enterprise. So, um, you know, we, we know less than, you know, we only know a few details, but um, hopefully along the way, you know, this is a mini series. It's, I think, uh, six to six episodes, at least, if not more, we'll find out a lot about what has happened within the prime universe within the last time we've seen the prime universe, or at least the prime universe of, of that time period. Um, so, you know, post nemesis. Um, so I'm, I'm, I can't wait. I, I know a lot of older fans can't wait to see, you know, what's been happening. You know, what are the ramifications right. of the you know, Romulan homeworld? I mean, um, the Romulan Empire would still survive in some way, I would think, but uh, it would have... I'd a, imagine because there's an empire. It wasn't just uh, based on one world. It was based on uh, right. on several, aside from Romulus and Remus, it was an empire. So I imagine that some form of it uh, exists still. Now, yeah, in much the same um, way that the Cardassians, after the events of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, you know, uh, Cardassia's uh, empire was in, you know, was in uh, ruins um, as well. So, you know, during that period, uh, so, you know, a a lot could have changed there. A lot of, you know, certainly with Romulus. um, So it's going to be interesting to see what they do uh, with this and, and how Picard's, it, it, primarily, it's going to focus on Picard's life, uh, you know, and, and and how he comes to grips with, I guess, age and, uh, you know, how how his life has gone, you know, and maybe reflecting on where he wished he had done different things differently, and and in some cases where he was very happy to to be doing what he was doing, so. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be fascinating, I think. I think so too. I, I remember the original Star Trek uh, when they made the transition to the movies and continued their adventures. They kept killing off all the new characters, <laughs> so it didn't really give them a chance to transition into like a, a new uh, crew. Uh, if they had built up the you know the new characters they kept introducing rather than killing them off, I think that. Uh, the movies could have uh, continued with the older cast yeah. uh, members making special appearances, and you you'll know, you know the the Decker, the Ilea, the Savick, you know you'll uh, Peter, you'll have gotten used to them all, uh, and uh, they would be like the new uh, a regular casting crew, and and then the older casting crew could still be part of the. Uh, you know the the, the greater uh, story, but they chose not to do that, and they left themselves, you know, without anybody to uh, to continue the voyages of uh, that starship uh, Enterprise. And uh, new uh, oh, um, alternate. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. 
Well, well, what we did see uh, to some extent is that um, Gene Roddenberry recycled some of the ideas that he had for, remember, before Star Trek returned as Star Trek The Motion Picture, Star Trek yes. was going to return as a new TV series, the anchor of a new network, in fact, the Paramount Network, yes, which yes, yes. ironically now there is a Paramount Network, but not quite what was envisioned at that time. Um, you know, and, and the uh, the uh, other network that, that Voyager was on, well, you know, we know that that, didn't, that had to merge with the WB, but that's a whole right, other thing. Right. But when you think about it, though, um, uh, Decker, young Decker, I mean, from, from the motion picture, and um, Ilya, uh, and, and, you know, were very they're, – they're, they're, a lot of their characteristics were transposed to or transferred to uh, Riker and uh, Deanna Troy. Deanna Troy, you know, yes, like, yes. Like they kind of, you know, and and just as you know, the the background was that Aaliyah knew Decker. Well, you know, uh, Deanna knew Riker when when he was on the ship. Um, right, right. And instead of you know the, the 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 differences being that, of course, he went with a less dashing captain at that time and a and a more senior uh, captain. And and you know, I think I think originally the idea was that the captain was going to kind of just be that senior figure and that a lot of the actual action was going to take place with, with Riker and Deanna and, and, and some of the others. Right. But, you know, Patrick Stewart's such a dynamic actor that, uh, you know, uh, they were, they just thought that, you know, despite him being older and at one point they were going to even include hair on him. You know, he was, there was, there's some scenes where, they were testing a toupee for him, uh, but they ended up not doing that. Um, so I think some of those ideas were incorporated, you know, from from Star Trek The Motion Picture. Um, right. I, I think that many fans would have loved, I know you and I would have loved to see them do exactly what you were, you were suggesting, that, that they had just kept adding new characters, you know, in the, within the movies and that maybe the, the series that we wanted to see at the time would have been move, movie era track. Um, but right. maybe, you know, maybe with, uh, you know, Savick and, uh, you know, David Marcus, if they hadn't killed him off and, and some, you know, some, some other fresh faces. Uh, and then occasionally throw in, you know, Kirk and Spock, you know, uh, right. when they and could even, uh, And even Scotty's uh, nephew who inherited uh, his uh, talents. Uh, he, uh, he was in the book, in the movie, they showed his death but didn't really get into him. He would have been like a replacement for uh, Scotty because uh, he too was a brilliant yeah, uh, engineer. But they, again, they killed him off <laughs> before they even really introduced him. The book, the book focused a lot more on, on him, and, and apparently he had a, a friendship with Savick in that, if, if I right. recall. You know? Because um, so, I loved the um, classic track, and when the movies uh, started... Uh, I, I was looking at that, even though they had announced a, uh, um, you know, like a, a show, 
and uh, I had at one point like the books of the show that had like outlines of all the episodes, and I saw that a lot of them were transferred uh, to Next Generation, as you're saying, uh, but some never were, and they would have made great uh, movies uh, if they had you know allowed them in. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, uh, things rarely go in, in a logical fashion when it comes to movie or TV production. Uh, you know, and and sometimes they're, they're also guessing at what they think the audience wants when, you know, when it, when it's so clear what, what the audience wants, you know, um, so well, sometimes I, 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 some of the franchises are attacking the audience. Like you're seeing this with Star Wars. I, I feel that they were, uh, and even with Star Trek Upbury to some degree, they were, it seems, uh, deliberately provoking their audience uh, at certain points. And uh, uh, the inspiration for that, I think, was uh, Babylon, not Babylon 5, uh, uh, Battlestar Galactica, where people were attacking the the concept of the remake and then James almost said uh, that uh, people who, uh, um, you know, people who feel like we shouldn't watch it because it would be too painful. And, of course, everybody watched it. Uh, so I thought they were trying to emulate him in some way uh, to create the buzz, but then it backfired on them, uh, you know, horribly uh, because uh, um, now with the Internet, people can protest pictures and they can, uh, you know, uh, spread their... Uh, uh, negative views and uh, really affect the, the future of a franchise. Yeah, his um, it, it's it's you know it it gets real funny when you do reboots and and uh, remakes and it often. Um, gets dicey because you you're you're you've got very devoted fans who mm-hmm. want who who want to see a continuation of what they remembered um because right. what they remembered in, in nostalgia was was good and you know it's what got them to to enjoy it in the first place whereas the producers are trying to create something for you know a new set of fans uh, fearing that they can't rely on the old fans enough, you know, alone, that they've got to bring aboard the 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 you know a, a whole new generation as well, and they figure the new generation has to have something newer, flashier, younger, uh, you know, which is yes, why yes, we yes. got the story track that we got. Um, yeah. You know, I I really liked the remake of Battlestar Galactica or the reimagining or whatever you want to call it, but it doesn't diminish my love for the original Battlestar, which, which, which of course was a product of its time, you know, um, you know, it was, it was, it was Star Wars on TV, you know, literally it was um, created by John Dykstra, you know, uh, and, and Glenn Larson, John Dykstra had done the special effects for Star Wars. uh, So it, it, it certainly had the talent of, of what we saw on the big screen. Uh, and, and Glenn Larson had been pitching, I think he was calling it Adam's Crossing or Adam's Way or Adam's whatever, uh, or, you know, Adama's Way, rather, um, before Star Wars even came out. But the networks didn't you right. know, 
pick it up. So, um, uh, you know, it, it had a profound effect. And I, I think, the, you know, the original Battlestar's only error was when they realized, when ABC realized they just couldn't afford to produce the show. It, it wasn't a rating you know, it, its ratings had dipped a little bit, but it wasn't—you know—it wasn't anywhere near where a, a, where a normal show um, with a regular budget would have been canceled. You know, but but because of the added expense, you know, they—that's why it was canceled. And then there was such an outcry that they brought back the abomination that we knew as Battlestar Galactic, you know, or rather Galactica 1980, uh, and then yeah. also had the added. I- slap in the face of having to put it on at like seven o'clock or so when, you know, and it had to have an educational message with it. I mean, it was, it was totally restricted. Um, what, what I thought they could have done instead was just do a series of, of uh, maybe 12 movies or, uh, or, or even less maybe, you know, because it would have cost money, but you know, two hour TV movies, <clears throat> which at that time, you know, the network still did TV movies. We we, we don't even right. see that in, in our current era, sadly. Um, no. You know. Yeah, so, that, that's um, very true. I, I happen to be one of those people who liked the Battlestar Galactica in 1980. Uh, I, thought, I thought it was, uh, you know, they could have done it better. Uh, but uh, uh, and they they really did made many decisions to save money, but it was kind of like what if you know <laughs> this, this civilization came and they used that in in uh, Battlestar uh, Galactica because uh, the uh, the the skinned uh, Centurions uh, they were on Battlestar Galactica in 1980. Oh yeah, they so, they 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 had cut the cast, you know, like only Adama. Uh, and, um, yeah, a few others, I think, you know, survived into the, uh, the, I think Colonel Ty as well. I, I'm, I'm not sure now, but, uh, you know, they, they put a, a beard on a dama and said, well, it's been 30 years. And that was the excuse of, of why there was no Starbucks. There was no Apollo. There was. Yeah, yeah, they, they it, loved it, it was, Starbuck and Apollo on a mission, and uh, they actually, I think, showed uh, an episode with what happened to Starbuck. Yes, they did. Actually, but they never that got around to won, showing an episode. That, that actually won an award. Um, the return of, I think it was called the Return of Starbuck, but and it also explained like that. Um, the 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 uh, origin of um, where they got Doctor Z from. And I thought Doctor Z yes. was a very good creation. You know, uh, uh, yes. finally we get a kid who's not a Will Robinson, and of course this is before Will, you know, Will Wheaton's, uh, um, you know, before before we would see Wesley Crusher. But you know, we finally got a a, a kid who was, uh, you know, a, a prodigy, an alien kid who was 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 a, a genius, and who they were looking to for for guidance. Um, and I think it was much better when he was played by um, – originally they had Robbie Rist, uh, who, was the, uh-huh. who was in the Brady Bunch. But I think he was in the first episode, and they recast him, and they they had a, a another blonde-haired kid um, who I thought was much better. Um, uh-huh. And um, 
And and I thought that character was interesting, but they had, you know, then Boxy had grown up. It was sort of like Battlestar Galactica, the next generation, um, you know, and, and it, but it was so, you know, the, to, to bring them to earth, I thought, you know, and I, and that was another cost savings because, you know, it, it just as we had the, the, the third doctor in Doctor Who, when that was running out mm-hmm. of money, the BBC grounded the doctor to earth and it was a cost, you know, cutting uh, effort. All right. uh, and that's pretty much what they did with Battlestar or Galactica 1980. Um, and it was just, it was just terrible. It was, you know, other than, other than the return of Starbucks episode, but you had, you know, and, and the very cool motorcycles that could fly. I, I, yes. I did like that. <laughs> but, but I, yes. I just thought it was a terrible wait for that show. I, I almost wondered, felt that, they shouldn't have brought it back at all, or, or better yet, just make a few TV movies and see right, how right, right. you know. Yeah. You know. I like that for a the while they were publishing it, books, dark but, and gritty, and you know, much different tone to it. Yeah. Uh huh. They were publishing books for a while, but the books were mostly. Uh, um, summaries of the episodes that had already uh, aired. So uh, it, it wasn't like a new thing. The last three or four books, I think, were original. And then they published some more books, uh, but the books were like in an alternate timeline. Or they were uh, much later, and it was a different vision uh, for the uh, show. They pretended uh, Canadian didn't exist. And they continued with the adventures of uh, Apollo. And uh, they were trying to get a show funded. Uh, and they made yeah. like a pilot, uh, like teaser tape. Yeah, and, uh, yeah around, this, uh, around the time I that... Saw uh, that. I, I saw the trailer yes, for yes. that. And, and uh, Richard Hatch was pretty much the catalyst. You know, he had put it all together. Um and and was trying to get Glenn Larson to to you know to go along with this and right. you know uh, unfortunately Richard Hatch didn't own the rights and uh, yes you know um, and they didn't you know and, and at that time John Colicos was still alive and they were going to bring him back and it, uh-huh. it looked really good I mean I think you could you could find it on YouTube um, yes and it. Yes. it, it, it I would have loved for them to pursue that. Uh, Richard Hatch still looked very youthful. I don't know why Starbuck wasn't there. Well, I guess because Starbuck was still marooned on that planet. But I would have thought that if they if they were going to ignore the uh, the uh, events of um, you know of, of Galactic in 1980, and they didn't, they couldn't bring Adama back because he was dead at that point. Yeah, um, yeah. Mister Lauren Green. So. Um, who knows? I mean, I I I would have loved to have seen the original come back. Um, I, and, I would and, have too, but I, I I enjoyed the remake. The remake, I, I loved uh, all five seasons, all of the movies, and I was sorry uh, when that ended. I wish Caprica had continued because they had just found their voice after the uh, first couple of yeah, seasons. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and then, I didn't particularly uh, care for it, although I enjoyed. Yes. They had that so uh, one shot. Bring the episodes up. They, I mean, not literally, but they, they, they just put them on like, 
you know, like almost a marathon, like three at a time or something like that. Uh, in its what was it? Its second season, uh, and, and uh-huh. they were so good. They were such good episodes that it, you know, it wrapped up the story. I guess it needed a, a better pacing to it uh, for ratings. But I thought Caprica had, you know, definitely was well done. And they were going to start introducing some of the characters from the final five. Uh, and showing them interact and how they they created uh, the whole Battlestar Galactica situation over time and how they were uh, uh, captured by Cabell and uh, uh, brainwashed and uh, their memories erased. They're going to get into all that too in later seasons, and it would have been a really great bridge to the uh, reimagined series, but alas, that did not uh, happen. Yeah. And I, I'm looking at the clock. We're, <laughs> we have like three more minutes left. Um, thank you so much, Bob. Uh, always a pleasure. Uh, I wish we lived closer. Uh, and uh, what do you call it? Because uh, I could talk about this <laughs> for hours and hours and hours, as can you. So uh, I have to start coming to conventions uh, again so that we can uh, uh, sit over a cup of coffee and, and talk and catch up. Uh, thanks again. I will send you the schedule of the thank shows. You. And uh we will definitely speak uh, between now and next month. Great. It's always great to be here. You have a great night, and thanks again. You too, Bob, and thank you too. And we're going to try to play Cauldron Born again and see what happens, and hopefully nothing else will happen to my uh, my board here. Oh. Oh,
of the cauldron's brew and magic she will give to you. You will dance in the eye of the storm, your Keridwen's children, the cauldron born. Cauldron born, cauldron born. 
and welcome back to Voice of Olympus. Today's episode is titled Archons and Aeons, and this segment is Scholars from the Edge of Time with Nicholas Dyack and Michelle Brittany. Greetings and welcome, Nicholas and Michelle. How are you? Uh, good evening, Hercules. I'm doing very well. Uh, yourself? I'm doing great. My board uh, here uh, shut off on me, and I don't know why, but uh, managed to go through the back door, and here we are, so uh, I'm very glad. Oh, cool. Good evening, Hercules. Hello, Michelle. How are you? (laughs) I'm very well. Happy Monday. Uh, To you, too. (laughs) Day of the moon. so I've been uh, checking out your Facebook pages. You guys have been very uh, active, and that is awesome. Um, I saw an interview that you had done, uh, Michelle, and I saw some pictures with Nicholas. Uh, so uh, uh, you guys are up and about and uh, doing awesome things. Yeah, uh, Michelle did a lot of interviews at WonderCon uh, a couple weekends ago, and so those are starting to get published. So she could talk about those a awesome. bit more in detail and then uh, this, and then I did panel coverage of the Edgar Rice Burroughs panel, so that was awesome. That's exciting. And then uh, this last weekend, we were both at Dapper Day at Disneyland. It's where uh, you know it's an event that they hold uh, twice a year over at Disneyland to uh, you know dress up and shop and buy vintage clothing. And Michelle got a couple cool dresses. I got this awesome shirt. <laughs> And socks, too, I read. I did. They're Turkish socks. I can't wait to bust Turkish them in. Socks, got yeah. the cool <laughs> what is a Turkish sock? Uh, I don't think I've ever heard the phrase before. Well, it's just a, a sock from Turkey, you know. It's just like, you know, buying, I guess, a Russian sock or a, a Mexican, <laughs> <laughs> you know. It's just, you know, a, a sock from a different country of origin. It's just, you know packaged differently the color i got is purple so they look nice so i'll just have to you know for the next time we're out and about for something uh you know a nice dinner i'll probably wear it with some cool shoes or something but you know it's just nice that, to that you know awesome. partake in- I, I think hercules the material's a little different so i think it was uh cotton with maybe you know like a silk or something like that because they're you know a very nice sock Oh, very cool. I I can't wait to see pictures uh, when you guys are uh, uh, dressed in your uh, dapper finery and uh, going out and about. Maybe combining that with uh, something kinky. <laughs> I you know what? One of the we took pictures of Michelle's dress earlier and it definitely has a kinky vibe to it. So hopefully she'll post one uh, tonight. Okay, I look forward to seeing that. And how was the Edgar Rice Burroughs panel? Um, it was a lot of fun. So what they do is, you know, the Edgar Rice Burroughs folk, you know, they're based up in a Tarzana, which is not far from here. It's just an hour drive, uh, Northwest. Um, but I guess every year at WonderCon, they have a panel where they Mm -hmm. discuss, not necessarily discuss per se, but they give kind of Edgar Rice Burroughs news, you know, what are the upcoming projects they're working on? What's just come out? And they don't just cover you know, the uh, the licensed Edgar Rice Burroughs stuff that they do, you know, other companies, whatever they're working on, they spotlight that as well. So I think it's kind of a, 
nice. I think that probably stems from, you know, a majority of Edgar Rice Burroughs' work is public domain, so a lot of it's up for grabs. But, you know, it's all about his legacy. So they talk about what books are coming out, you know, new ones are re-releases, comic books. Uh, there's a role-playing uh-huh. game based on coming out. Um, a documentary about Tarzan that's going around at the different um, film festivals. And so they just kind of went down the the, uh, the gamut of, you know, here's the medium and, you know, here's all the Edgar Rice Burroughs-related uh, stuff coming out for it. I actually picked up a, a, a comic book, uh, an issue one of a um, Carson of Venus comic that I read over the weekend that I'll probably be doing a, a review on later this week. And, you know, my first foray into uh, uh, Carson, so that's cool. Um, it, it's also really cool because I've been reading that old Venus uh, anthology, so it's nice to kind of, you know, continue those Venus adventures. Uh-huh. Yes, uh, I I had seen that also. I believe you had mentioned it before that they were continuing with that uh, character, and uh, uh, I had seen the Carson of Venus uh, um, uh, comic book uh, recently when I visited a comic book store, and I also saw that they were coming up with uh, uh, John Carson uh, meets uh, uh, meets uh, Mars Attacks. Yes. Okay. They did talk about that. So they they talked about one that there is a John Carter and Carson Napier crossover that they're doing. But then, yeah, Dynamite Entertainment is doing a Mars Attacks John Carter crossover as well. And I guess it's getting a lot of buzz and probably for the right reasons because, you know, they're both very outlandish titles, especially Mars Attacks. I remember watching that movie when I was a kid and it was very, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Out of this world. But yes, they're doing a crossover. It's actually, I think, a cool idea. They're also doing a uh, Thoris Barbarella crossover too. Yes, so that that's right. Actually, they've done a couple of issues. I haven't picked it up yet, but I, I've seen that in the comic book store uh, and looked through it uh, very briefly. So it's it's on my list of uh, things to get to at some point. And I think it'll be definitely a uh, something I want to check out more for my sword and planet studies. How is that coming along, too, the Sword and Planet Studies? I actually pitched it as an article to a website, and they're very interested in it. They want a timeline and what other books I'm going to be looking at. So I've got to get through this Westworld project first, and then maybe I'll turn around and, you know, gung-ho on getting some more, you know, 70s-era Sword and Planet read and turn this into a nice article. Now, how you mentioned the... Um, the Westworld project, and lately I've had a chance to see both seasons of uh, Westworld, and we picked up the uh, movie Westworld and Future Worlds from years gone by with Yul Brenner. Uh, so we're looking forward to looking at those for some background. But uh, I, my wife and I both love the, the series. So tell me about your project. Okay, so I have a colleague that has a book. It's sort of like how Michelle and I, you know, we do these edited anthologies. You know, Michelle has the James Bond book, the horror and space book, and I have the Peplum book. Well, we have a colleague uh-huh. that put out a call for essays of Westworld. And the focus was going to be on the TV show. And I'll be honest, I actually haven't seen the TV show. But, um, you know, I, I've seen bits of the, um, the movie because I was interested in the Roman world components. And okay. uh, I'd read off bunch of uh, news articles 
about, you know, when season two for Westworld's come out, you know, they were doing like Q&A sessions like at Comic-Con and other places, and people were asking, where's Roman World? Where's Roman World? And we want Roman World. And they said, well, we're not going to do Roman World. But, you know, yeah, it's that kind not. of... <laughs> it's fair, though. But, but, but it makes you kind of think, though, because Roman World in the original film is like less than five minutes of screen time, you know? It, it's not the dominant aspect of that film you know it's obviously the the weird western part that is so what is it about you know roman world that people want to want to see more of that and so that was kind of what i was drawn to and you know i do the the sword and sandal studies and i'm like well wait a second you know there's something here there's basically peplum elements in this weird western you know do i do i sense an essay here and the answer is well, yes. And so I pitched it to the editor of this book saying, you know, I want to talk about Westworld, the film, and I want to talk about the sword and sandal elements in it. Uh, because, one, you know, I can leverage my, my book, you know, the Neo Peplum book. And, you know, right. I, you know I, like, I like talking about really esoteric stuff. And I got my it. proposal <laughs> <laughs> And so June 15th is when I have to get this essay completed. And so I have dived into research mode on uh, my essay, and so I was hoping maybe I can discuss a little bit of what I've researched and what I intend to uh, talk about in my essay. Wow. That sounds incredibly awesome. Okay. So um, I saw also that you've been posting on the Peplum Paradise site. Uh, you've been pe- posting those there uh, as well. Yeah. Um, what have I been sharing at the Peplum Paradise website? You know, there's a lot of weird news of, you know, the Ben-Hur movie getting a re-release on the big screen, my Edgar Rice Burroughs uh, uh, panel coverage. Uh, what else did I post there? Oh, yeah, I have a fr- uh, another colleague. He's going to be in the Westworld book, too. His name's Sean Woodward. He's, a, he's another academic, and he wrote a big piece on uh, uh, Passion of the Christ, and uh, mm-hmm. the torture porn element, at which I shared. Um, so it's nice to you know have you know more people diving into the the neo peplum genre. Wow. And uh, are you working on any current book projects? I'm sorry. Are you working on any uh, current uh, book projects? Uh, you mentioned that you pitched uh, a story and that they were interested. Are you actively uh, working on any uh, books right now? So the, 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 okay, so the things I'm working on right now, so the big thing is the Westworld essay now. And okay. so that's what I'm doing my research on, which I could definitely share. Um, as far as the other book projects, so the Sword and Planet uh, wouldn't be a book project yet. It would be an article. So I'll be working on that after the Westworld essay. And then as far as the joint book between Michelle and I, the one on horror literature, um, we had to do Mm -hmm. some um, promotion stuff with our publisher about a week or so ago where we had to, you know, basically come up the back matter of the book and uh, a couple other things. So that, you know, that's kind of out of our hands at this point, except for, you know, fielding a couple questions for the book. So, you know, that one's speeding really uh, quite along. We should be getting a... uh, a type uh, set manuscript 
in another month or so, which at that point will wow. be our last round of it. And we'll be indexing it. So that will come out this fall. And so we're both uh, excited about that. Yeah, I'm excited for you. That That is, that is awesome that you guys are able to work together and uh, uh, produce all that and bring it forth into the world and get other people uh, involved in uh, you know, the, the, the exploration. That is awesome. Ah, thank you. Um, in just uh, less than three weeks, we'll be in Grand Rapids, Michigan for our next uh, horror uh, academic conference. And, you know, that will be the groundwork for a possible book two of horror literature studies. Or it may not even be literature. It might be films or games or we'll see where it takes us. But, you know, we'll be excited to – this will be our third year doing this uh, uh, horror academic conference. Oh, that is awesome. And uh, you guys are doing so much. Uh, what do you plan on expanding into in uh, the near future? Because you're very active and you're producing a lot of uh, books and you're uh, actively engaged in your scholarly communities and contributing uh, a lot to them. Uh, is there any direction that you see yourself uh, heading in? Um, a little bit. You know, I still have all these unrealized projects, and I think – the next kind of big one I really want to do is something Tiki related. You know, after I've been okay. uh, pinning for, you know, Tiki magazines, going to uh, Tiki events, I really want to pin uh, either a monograph or, or do a collected uh, section of essays on Tiki culture or something. And I think um, after I get a couple other things clear off my plate, that's probably what I want to do next. I, I still want to do a Tiki and H.P. Lovecraft uh, essay. Yeah, So maybe start with that and see where it goes from there. So I think that's where I really want to take my next kind of big step. That sounds uh, very exciting and, and lots of uh, fun for you to do. And uh, you, you'd spoken about that in a uh, previous show, and it seems like there's a lot of rich material for you to mine uh, by blending those two things together. There is. I, I really got to dive into, uh, you know, Pacifica literature, you know, um, old, uh, old uh, texts that, you know, took place in the Pacific, you know, things like uh, Robinson Crusoe, although that one took place in the Caribbean. But, um, you know, those type of texts to see if I can relate it to H.P. Lovecraft, uh, you know, old uh, stories that have Lemuria in it. And then, you know, to talk uh -huh. about, you know, through the age. Lynn Carter in the 70s with his Zothic cycle. So, yeah, you're right. There's a lot of stuff to mine. So I, I probably have a an overabundance of stuff, and it'll be, you know, correlating it and getting it to something cohesive. But I think it'll be a fun project because, again, you know, we're both passionate about Tiki stuff. I'm passionate about H.P. Lovecraft studies. No one else has really formally done it. So it's, again, one of those instances where, you know, I could study something weird. <laughs> And, of course, everyone knows that the Lovecraft and Robert E. Howard, who uh, worked with Conan, were uh, pen pals, and uh, uh, they've exchanged uh, voluminous uh, uh, letters uh, with each other that are mostly preserved, uh, which, is, which is an awesome uh, thing. And, of course, Lynn Carter, um, he liked uh, Burroughs, he liked Robert E. Howard, he liked Lovecraft, he liked Dundee, so uh, he wrote in the style of and combined uh, genres like uh, Sangor, as we've spoken, is a combination of 
Burroughs and Robert E. Howard, you know, his heroes uh, in Barsoom and on the other planets as well. I think uh, the thing about Lovecraft is because so many of his letters have been collected and republished, I mean, I think his volumes of correspondence just, you know, is uh, dwarfed his actual fiction output like a hundredfold. Yes. There is volumes upon volumes upon volumes of his of his letters to his friends and his colleagues, and that's how we know so much about what Lovecraft, who he was, what he was trying to do, and even his day to day life. I, mean, I can't think of any other author, you know, that's so well documented by their own hands. And then for Lynn Carter, you know. Um, he gets a lot of flack, you know, for being a um, a derivative writer, but I think that's why I like him. Uh, I yeah. like that he writes in the of other folks. And, you know, it's one of those instances where if you get done reading something, it's okay. I'll t- take a good example. You know, you're sitting there, you read all of Lord of the Rings, you watch the Lord of the Rings films, you're like, wow, I was just in that world. I want more of it. Well, there isn't really uh-huh. more of it. I mean, yeah, you can go simulacrum. Uh, whatever it's called, his big book. Um, but, you know, more stories and whatnot. And I always felt like Lynn Carter is able to keep the flame going for more, uh, you right. know, hey, you know, there's Carter stories coming out, but Lynn Carter has his version. You know, if you want some more Conan-type stories, you know, he's, he's running with it. So, you know, he'll, he allowed that continuation of, uh, you know, stuff to keep going, and I admire that. And they're fun. They're really fun. Yeah, his stories are really fun, and uh, what a lot of people don't realize is that uh, Marvel uh, initially, uh, Marvel helped propel Conan into our national uh, consciousness, into global consciousness, and they weren't initially interested in Conan. They were interested in uh, Fangor, but Lynn Carter's publicist uh, wouldn't uh, uh, take what they had to offer. Whereas uh, Conan's, uh, the the person who headed the Conan estate, uh, was able to take you know, the the amount that they offered, and the result was, was that Conan became the uh, the uh, um, the forerunner and the exemplar of sword and sorcery uh, comic book fiction rather than Thangor. It could have easily gone the other way, and by the time they had the permission to do the Thangor, Conan was already way too established. And you know what? The so, Conan comics can this day with lots of crossovers. There's a, a Conan meets Gru comic, for instance. They're yeah, working on yes, a Conan. Yes. And, uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's impressive how much Conan is out there. It's still lots of video games, a couple movie adaptations, you know, n- not just the ones in the 80s, but, you know, they did one, what, three years ago or something? So the, lo- the last two power. And uh, I think they want to make a new one with Arnold Schwarzenegger back as an older, wiser Conan. I, I heard of that. They wanted to make it very Games of Thrones, Game of Thrones, and uh, make a movie trilogy. And then I've heard plans on Amazon for a television series, but that was scrapped. Uh, and uh, uh, there's a lot of role-playing and board game stuff going on with Conan, too, but it's, it's way too expensive <laughs> for, you know... Uh, um, for just uh, collecting to have. So I kind of uh, lapsed my attention on those things, although I have a few of them. 
Um, and uh, there are video games coming out. There, I, I saw uh, trailers for one of them, Conan the Unconquered, I think it's called. It's coming out from the PlayStation 4. Uh, it looks absolutely beautiful. I will have to definitely pluck that up. I missed the last Conan game, uh, but yes, uh, I need to get on that. I've still been playing uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Yes, I, I, I've heard from you, from Michelle, and from others. Uh, my uh, eldest son, too. Uh, last time I saw him uh, in New York City when I visited, uh, he was telling me, oh, Dad, I'll lend it to you. You know, go get a PlayStation 4. <laughs> so I told him, okay, when I get a PlayStation 4, I'll, I'll borrow it for him. But that's the type of thing I'd want to own anyway. So I, I, I can see borrowing from him and owning it shortly thereafter. Highly recommended, you know, for for playing the equivalent of Gladiator and 300 and, you know, kind of the modern-day Pepla in video game form. It's perfect. Yeah, I've, uh, the PlayStation 3 games are getting very inexpensive, and they're, they're trying to clear them out, uh, like GameStops and other used uh, video stores. So I've been thinking of games I've wanted for a while for like 3 bucks, 4 bucks, which is great. You know, so I've, I have plenty to play. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have a lot of time to, to sit down and play these games, but I can if I want to now. Uh, same boat. It's that juggling of consuming and creating, and... That's something that Michelle yeah. and I, you know, on day at work, come home. Well, we want to play something. No, we got to dive right back into our projects. Yes, yes. I, I do the same thing. Uh, and uh, uh, I, I do enjoy gaming, so on a budget, maybe like half an hour a day or something where I could uh, just indulge myself because I enjoy it. Uh, but uh, whenever I find myself wanting to game, it's like, well, I have, uh, I'm writing a chapter for an anthology. I'm uh, writing an article for local paper. I'm, you know, do, so it's, it's, do I really want to play or do I want to finish those? And usually uh, my writing takes precedence. So uh, now I'm, I'm, I'm working on a uh, role-playing game as well um, for publication. And uh, I'm working on... Uh, um, several of my role-playing universes, translating them into stories uh, for fiction. So uh, those always draw me back. And then uh, there's, of course, the paranormal stuff that I like writing about. But I, I can see what you're saying because uh, uh, I'm always torn between both of those directions here to consume or create. It's a constant thing. Hey, uh, good luck on your um, turning your role-playing game stories into, you know, proper stories. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, a lot of the early Dungeons & Dragons campaigns, like Forgotten Realms and Greyhawk, those are all based off of just original stories that got turned, you know, vice versa into uh, D&D stuff, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, correct. Yes, uh, I, and I love the Forgotten Realms. You've talked about this before as well, especially like Icewind Dale and the... Uh, um, the company of the crystal or the company of the shard, I feel what they were called, the Brunor and Wolfgar and Cadibri and Regis and uh, Drizdo Erden. Um, uh, I, I, I love all those books, and I think I'm like five or six books behind at this point, but I, I intend on catching up one day with them as well. <laughs> Anything else on your mind? I know we're getting kind of close to the bottom of the hour, so Michelle will be popping on a little bit. Okay. Um, 
no, I'm 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 very much uh, uh, looking forward to see how you evolve this uh, show. And you recommended several wonderful people that would be great uh, guests. And uh, my apologies, I never got around to uh, uh, communicating with them. Uh, but it would be great if you had them on the show and interviewed them. We could we could definitely coordinate that. We know we lot we have a lot of friends that would definitely fit the bill to talk about their fantasy work or their um, supernatural work or you know uh, uh, sword and planet work. In the case of our friend who did uh, the Bigfoot comic, so absolutely, maybe that's what we could shoot for for next month. That that would be fantastic, and I'm greatly looking forward to it. Uh, Nicholas, congratulations on all the wonderful things that you've done and are doing and are going to do. Uh, always enjoy uh, speaking with you, and uh, I look forward to our next conversation. Excellent. We look forward to uh, talking to you next time as well, and we'll also see you online. Okay, be well, my friend. I'll talk to you soon. All right, cheers. Cheers. Hi, Hercules. Hi, Michelle. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, there, There's actually so many things happening that uh, I feel like uh, um, even giving it my all, I'm not able to, to uh, do all the things that need to be done. And, and again, it, it's, it's a good place to be because there's so many different opportunities uh um, for instance, uh, uh, I'm talking to people about a uh, uh, like a cable show again. I had one many years ago, uh, a radio show from a studio with uh, um, you know in a station, and uh, there's all sorts of writing opportunities uh, coming up, and uh, uh, so uh, it's all fantastic. And uh, um, I also do role playing games for enrichment and I, I work for other enrichment companies and uh, now I want to take my role playing games to a whole new level uh, so I spent a year figuring out how to do that and now I'm finally there so I'm, I'm starting to promote the uh, mythic adventures and uh, that's a new adventure in and of itself so uh, keeping very busy and uh, exploring many possibilities and wondering how I can restructure my time <laughs> and probably myself to be able to take advantage of all these cool things that are coming my way. How are you? Uh, feeling kind of the same Uh as far as feeling like I have a lot of projects and not quite enough time to devote the time that I need to to each one, it's kind of like making decisions on what um, what projects take higher priority versus other yes. projects that I need, you know, uh, you know, uh, rank as lower priority. Um, so it's, it's it's hard. I mean, I think for me, I've I've always had a problem with saying no, and so I end up doing a lot of stuff that, you know, well, you know, it, it helps others, which I'm always glad to do, but it it does take away from projects that I would like to do myself. So it's mm-hmm. um, trying to be talent. So if you find that, let me know. <laughs> I, I'm the, certainly the, well at 
and ditto if you find it, let me know too, because I could certainly use it. After. I, I feel like a, a very thin piece of butter spread over a humongous piece of uh, bread, my attention. And, uh, um, and, and again, it's not a bad place to be because it's possibilities rather than uh, a feeling that you have uh, nothing uh, uh, of value, you know, uh, um, on the horizon. So I like this much better than uh, uh, feeling the other way. You know that it, that really is a a good reminder uh, how important it is to to look at it in those terms. Um, that it's better to have more than to tend to have have those opportunities and options open than to be you know not having anything there and not quite sure where to go and and probably feeling kind of lost. Um, yes. So. Yeah, I remember when we first moved uh, back to northeastern New Jersey. Um, I, you know, I, I, I spoke of things, you know, that uh, I wanted to do or, you know, to come into being. And uh, back then, uh, uh, it sounded just like a lot of words. But now, just about all of those things have like anchored in their reality and their and their actualities. And uh, you know, that's very empowering too, because I know in, initially when I came here and I was uh, again, sharing my my vision, uh, a lot of people thought I was nuts, you know. But now it's in the papers; it's happening. I'm working with other people who are making things happen, so it, it's a really, really, really great, uh, you know, feeling. And uh, um, I don't know if I shared, but I, I spent part of my career working with people at the end of life. Did I share that? Or? No, I no, I wasn't aware um, of that. Oh, yes, I worked in human services for many years, for like 35 years. And um, early on, I worked with people who were dying in several uh, different agencies. You know, some were geriatric people, some were people who had, uh, um, you know, cancer or other, you know, uh, terminal diseases. And uh, I learned by working with people who were, like, there in the bed, and they're not getting up from the bed, that... At the end of life, it, a lot of things just don't matter. So what matters is having, like, happy memories and a fulfillment of things you really wanted to do. What is very damaging and hellish almost is having a lot of regrets. And it's not even for big things. It's I didn't tell this person how I felt. I didn't do this when I had the opportunity. I could have gone there and I chose not to because I was afraid what somebody would say, you know, those type of things. Uh, and then having one person at least, even if they were a paid person, uh, who stopped by to check on how you're doing and converse with you every now and then. So like everything at the end mm-hmm. of life was reduced to those things. So um, I, I started trying to live my life in that way, you know, to be honest and to tell people, you know, what I was thinking and feeling, uh, to do the things I wanted to do, regardless how ridiculous they sounded, if I really wanted to do them, to do them. And then, you know, to try not to have as many regrets and to be uh, nice enough to people so, you know, they might want to drop by and visit me <laughs> if I was at that bed, you know. So uh, that's worked for me a lot. And not that life has been easy or, you know, less challenging. It's still challenging for everybody. But I find that I have a lot more... Uh, 
fun than a lot of people, and I also enjoy my life more than a lot of people because it, it, I, I look at those very simple things and try to just keep those in mind all the time. No, those those are great lessons, Hercules. That's and amazing, you know, to work in that kind of environment for 35 years. I um, worked for a uh, retirement home, and it was it was uh, the type of retirement home where people, you know, no longer wanted to live in a house. It, they they were in a, at a point where they needed a little bit of help, but didn't necessarily yeah. need, you know, uh, nursing home help. Um, and so I worked there for a year, and, and I have to say, just in the year that I worked there, it was it was so hard, you know, um, just working with people, and particularly when you could see that they were becoming more sick, um, and feeling helpless and yeah. not being able to work for them. Uh, there was one woman who uh, was had Alzheimer's, and she was at early stages when I first got there, and it was progressing at a rather rapid rate. And the nicest woman, but uh, she was also quite violent and, you know, very yeah. disoriented, and it was just a very sad a sad and hard job uh, to be in be in that environment. So um, just that little bit of time was just kind of made, put put into perspective how important life is, you know. And to to like you say, not have those regrets when you're at a point where you can't go any further, you know. When you're you, you know you don't have that much time left. Right, and, and we never know when that time will come. You know, life's very unpredictable. So um, recently uh, my aunt uh, passed away, and uh, she lived with us for, like, the last five years of her life. And uh, uh, seeing her deteriorate uh, was uh, – and she had dementia, and she started getting violent too. And seeing this person, you know, that you grew up with and uh, – had a lot of uh, happy memories uh, uh, with, uh, you know, slowly deteriorating and forgetting and not knowing who, uh, you know, she is and uh, not knowing who you are and then becoming, like, hostile and sometimes, uh, you know, physically violent. That was very, very, um, you know, difficult. Um, And uh, um, it's... uh, it, it it again it changes you, <laughs> and uh, um, again just pushes you back into the moment. So even though I'm, I, I plan years ahead, and yeah, I know that that I might not have years ahead, but uh, so I try to enjoy the the moment that I happen uh, to be uh, in. Um, and mm-hmm. some other people I, I've talked to recently have also come to that realization. I was speaking with uh, Jerry Hosek. He ha- he has a show on uh, one of the stations, and um, he uh, owns and produces and publishes uh, Natural Awakenings magazine. 
So he was talking about the, the same type of uh, things, and then he found an article he wrote in 2016 where he said the same things in an article. So uh, once you get there and you see that, it kind of stays with you, I guess, because I, I talk about it every now and then, and it seems he talks about it and writes about it. And, um, you know, so it always does me uh, uh, good when uh, I talk to people who are, you know, going out there and pursuing their passions and challenging themselves and producing, uh, um, you know, things uh, that uh, um, are like are, are, are interesting and quirky. Uh, so that's why I love talking to you and Nick so much, you know, because you're out there and you're doing all this stuff and it's, it's awesome. Yeah, I, I'll I'll be honest. You know, having moved, we moved down here to Southern California uh, almost nine years ago, and uh, at that time, I had just finished up my master's degree from the University of Washington. And you know, I if somebody had told me where I would be at today, at that particular time, I would have said, "Oh, no way." <laughs> But um, yeah, I I think it's I think Nick and I have a good partnership. I think we blend we have a lot of strengths that are that are similar, but we also have strengths that are uh, different from each other that that help us to be better people. And um, mm-hmm. I think it also you know brings in new interest into our lives. You know, I would have. I mean, I remember tiki stuff as a kid, but, you know, um, finding a, a new interest and looking at it in different ways, particularly now that I have other experiences that, that can enrich that, that it enrich this new experience with tiki, for instance, um, is, is really an uh, in thought-provoking and interesting journey. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure that I would have appreciated it quite the same if I hadn't been, you know, wood carving at one point in my life where I could have, where I have a better understanding of how wood works and having um, mm-hmm. an appreciation of harder woods and softer woods and what's involved with just, you know, for instance, carving tiki's. Um you know, so those are all those things that that it it kind of blends and becomes this nice, for lack of a I don't know another term, like this beautiful bouquet. You know? Oh yes, yes, I can see that. It does, and you could arrange the the flowers in any way uh, you want, and uh, um, you know tell a different story with them. But the the, the flowers are all real and and. and you know, arranged in the, the best configuration in the most beautiful way. Yeah, and and finding, you know, it's experimenting along the way uh, to find the what works, what's the right combination, and that ties in really well with also finding the things that enrich your life and that you're passionate about um, and spending the time on that. Um, and what, you know, it isn't, to me, it isn't what I get out of it as much as what I can give to other people. Um, I, that's part of why I really enjoy, you know, um, co-chairing the Anne Radcliffe Academic Conference is because it's an opportunity. It, 
it provides an opportunity to others that might not have a place to present on their subject that they're very interested in. Right. You know, it gets it gets to be a very difficult horror studies is kind of, you know, a challenge and there are there's not a lot of places where people can go and present. Um, and having been presenters ourselves, um, you know, we try to create a safe environment for people. Um, Nick is really good about making sure, like, he has questions so that way, you know, every presenter gets asked a question. You know, just making sure that everybody has, you know, walks away with a good experience. And I think that's, you know, part of that mentorship that, you know, we both have and we both display in, in slightly different ways. Um, but just, you know, that's one of those things that's enriching, um, but might not have been something that we would have found uh, unless we'd been here and had, you know, become involved with the Horror Writers Association, for instance. And I love that you and Nick uh, do that. And I was suggesting to Nicholas uh, before that, uh, now that you have this uh, hour, and we could we can increase it, uh, invite some of the wonderful people that you recommended before, or some people that you haven't, and interview them and give them the you know the opportunity to further um, you know present uh, uh, the things that they're passionate about that they're doing and uh, um, the genres that uh, you focus on definitely fit in with the format of the shows. So we can you know if if an hour is not enough, we can create another hour, or two hours, or whatever. Yeah, uh, definitely. So um, you know, and, and you know, I moderate panels. Um, and I have one that I that I enjoy moderating, which is swords, sandals, sorcery, and other worlds. You know, um, uh-huh. but it's in pop. It's not just focused on like comics and things like that. So um, I know that there are at least three or four people just from that panel that I moderate um, that will be able to reach out to, and I'm sure they'd have an interest in you know, being on the show and talking about their craft and allowing listeners um, to hear, you know, different creative processes and how people come to materials that they do and why it excites them, why they're passionate about it, um, what are challenges and, you know, what are the benefits of working in different, different genres and different you know, whether it's historical fiction or, you know, whether it's nonfiction um, or comics or, you know, something else, what, how does that enrich their life and, you know, and what sparked them to have that interest? You know, it had to be something there that, that struck them, struck a chord for them, and I always find that very interesting. Yeah, that that would make an awesome show, and I'm I'm looking forward to hearing that, you know, and engineering it, and uh, that uh, sounds phenomenal. Yeah, so I know that uh, next month we'll Nick and I will have to see, um, well, we'll have to come to an agreement, and then uh, you know, uh, do a couple of asks and see who is available so that we can have them on. Um, but yeah, we'll definitely. Definitely start doing that. Awesome. 
uh, and it, it, it's another outlet for uh, creativity, and uh, everyone listening will uh, benefit from it. I know there's a lot of people, uh, uh, like, for instance, with Ryan Foley, and I've had you guys on the uh, vocational show, too, because a lot of people don't know how to begin doing something. So how would you uh, become an independent scholar? How would you, yeah, and what are the realities of it? How would you become a graphic novelist or the author of a book or uh, a deep sea diver or a politician? And so you're trying to get the, that out there on the, um, the uh, labor-related sh- shows. Um, th- that helps a lot of people learn what they need to do to to start something. Not everyone is uh, resourceful in looking things up or following leads or, or doing things like that. So this way they have like a head start. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I think that people should always be aware to not be afraid to try new things and to engage with the material, um, you know, in the way that, that you know how. Don't be afraid, um, you know, to, to start. Um, I think that, you know, Nicholas and I working in academics has and leading us to the Horror Writers Association has led us to, you know, opportunities, opportunities to write in fiction. Um, and I think that's exciting. It's also opened up doors where we've been able to engage with fiction writers um, and allow and their their um relationship with us has allowed them to pursue nonfiction writing where they might not have ever thought that they had that had the tools in in their right. um, pocket but it, at the end of the day a lot of the tools are very similar it's just you know um, knowing kind of what are what is the rules of the road so to speak what kind of works and once you kind of have that guide uh, to kind of help you get out there, then then you start paving your own path and, you know, um, leading your own opportunities. And often opportunities will fall at your door that you never would have expected. Very, very, very true. And not every idea works out or works out at the time, but it's still worth pursuing. Uh, coming, back, coming back to my radio shows is uh, – uh, Dr. Barbara Becker Holstein. She's a women's empowerment uh, psychologist, and uh, mm-hmm. she and I have done a lot of uh, e-radio, a lot of uh, fringe television together over the years, but not for quite a while. Um, but uh, I invited her to be a guest on the show. She was a guest on the show. Then, like a year later, I invited her again, and then uh, I asked her if she'd like to come back, uh, you know, kind of repeat a repeat guest. And she had like like the, the most interesting show concepts. Uh, I remember one time she had me uh, when I was at my most barbaric, uh, and uh, she had a chef from a New York cooking school, uh, and we were going to do this uh, panel on uh, um, empowerment. So uh, she described the idea, and it sounded just so different. I'd never heard anything <laughs> as strange as, as what she was describing. So I told her, as long as you have a platter of meat for me to eat, I'll do it. So we ran the show. It only ran for like six or seven episodes, uh, but it was the, the most fun I'd had on fringe television <laughs> in a very, very, very long time. Um, and uh, uh, so, you know, again, it, it it didn't succeed and continue, but for six, seven episodes, it, it was phenomenally wonderful to, to be involved with it. Yeah, 
Oh, and, and what experience, you know, the, the memories of it. And who would have thought, you know, to pair pair up those type of things together and then explore and see what comes from that. Right. And, uh, so I'm looking forward to her coming back on. She brings a, 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 that type of energy to the show. Uh, right now she's made a few short films also, so she's doing a lot of interesting uh uh, new things, so it'll be fun to have her on board uh, as part of the adventure as well. Oh, that sounds exciting. Yeah, I'm excited. I tried getting some of my other uh, uh, some of my other uh, companions from Days of Yore on the show, um, and uh, with a couple of them, we did uh, um, an event, Mythic Atlantis, we called it, a few years ago here in uh, New Jersey. Um, so, uh, they both expressed the willingness in uh, continuing, but I haven't done any events uh, since then. So next time I do an event, uh, they're definitely invited. And uh, so that'll be fun too. Oh, definitely. I, I, I'm always like, we get through, through our, our time and I, and I always leave thinking, I wish we lived closer. <laughs> Me too. I, 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 I I wish I about a lot of my guests. I, I, I've met such wonderful people uh, through this uh, podcast and through uh, Facebook uh, that, you know, I wish that there was, like, much more time and the distance wasn't as much of a problem uh, because the, the planet is full of wonderful, wonderful, wonderful people doing wonderful, wonderful, wonderful things, and uh, there's not enough time to, to spend uh, uh, with all the people I'd like to spend uh, time with. So uh, who knows? Uh, what do you call it? Uh, um, I have been getting uh, requests to do things in California for the past uh, year. Um, so uh, that's on the uh, in the realm of possibilities as well. So who knows? I might be out in California and we could all get together and I could uh, uh, meet uh, you guys and spend some time. I could meet Michael and Diane Duncan and spend some time. And uh, I have friends in California from years ago. I'll look them up as well, and, and it'll be a great trip. Oh, that sounds uh, – that would be absolutely fantastic. It would be wonderful to finally meet you. And, you know, if nothing – if that doesn't come to fruition uh, anytime soon, I don't see why you can't do, like, some sort of, like, convention event, like a weekend thing, and, you know, with with enough time, have – occasions where all of your guests from the various shows could come together. And I think oh, that, that would be, be awesome. a lot of fun. Let's start planning it then. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. And then we can do panels together and uh, uh, do all sorts of things. And uh, we could even broadcast from the event. We could record it and then put it out. And uh, uh, very soon... Uh, I'll have video capability and uh, much better uh, resources than the ones I'm currently using for the show. So that'll improve the the quality and uh, um, it might involve traveling around. So that's, that's another possibility as well. Oh, that sounds really exciting, Hercules. And I, I definitely think, you know, doing some sort of, you know, weekend type of thing would be fantastic and, you know, uh, incorporate outreach or, you know, something uh, along with it, you know, something with the wellness and, and spirituality and mysticism and just, 
more socially awareness would be great. And now you've got the gears turning, so they will continue to turn, and I'm sure they'll be turning for you and Nicholas as well. So uh, who knows? We're all creative people and very resourceful, so uh, something will come to pass. Definitely. Is there anything you'd like to uh, share? Um, because uh, the clock is running out. We're down to the last four minutes. Uh, is there anything upcoming uh, that you'd like to share? Or, uh, I'm sure you're doing um, many things that we could talk about for a whole hour, but is there anything in particular that we should uh, be looking forward to? Well, um, as as uh, we've been talking, um, you know, Nicholas and I will be at SoccerCon uh, next month. Um, and that will be in Grand Rapids. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we are the co-chairs for the Ann Radcliffe Academic Con Conference. Okay. Um, so I have forgotten what Nicholas will be presenting on, um, but I will be presenting on Garth Innes' uh, trade paperback called Caliban, which is kind of a um, Prometheus-inspired story. Um, that Garth Ennis wrote after he saw the film. And so hmm. he explores uh, space horror tropes and takes a different direction. He um, had, had said in an interview that he didn't quite like the direction that the movie went, so he decided to, to pin this story. Um, and so this is the result of, of that movie watching that he did and so uh, his story is called Caliban so I'll be presenting on that um, I I just started reading a series called uh, Egypt it's written by Peter okay. Mulligan he'll probably be familiar to people in comic world uh, he wrote Hellblazer, Bad Company Enigma and more recently in the last couple of years he's written The Mummy uh, Palimpsest uh, from Titan Comics. Um, it's an interesting series. I've I've read the first two issues out of seven, and it involves a man who ends up uh, being kind of backward reincarnated into ancient Egyptian uh, civilization, and it's his interaction with that time period. So he. Mm-hmm. Uh, goes in and talks about rituals and the gods and um, ultimately it's the story about the fellow about redemption and um, coming to terms with your past um, is what I've read is kind of like the overarching theme um, so uh, I can't I, wait to hear more about it they're going to cut us off in 10 seconds um, thank you it. so much Michelle I look forward to our next conversation and uh, again thank you have a good evening and week. Thank you, Hercules. You too, and you're very welcome. And thanks to all who've joined us. Until uh, next time, this is Hercules and Michelle and Nicholas wishing you joyous journeys. Thanks for listening to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network. Join us seven nights a week for exciting programming covering a variety of expressions of faith. And remember, 
all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. 